What's up everybody, this is Tom Good with MaltedMemoirs.com. Today I wanted to touch base on a brand that has become very fond and near and dear to my heart <laughs> for multiple reasons, Kilhoman. It's more specifically the Mahir Bay expression. I had an opportunity to try this whiskey a couple of weeks ago uh, through a friend of mine who had who had, had a bottle and had asked if I had ever uh, uh, gone gone that route before due to my affinity for Isla whiskeys particularly and I, I expounded you know at the moment no not really uh, as a student of history and a, and a person who's fond of of the past I, I have uh, kind of ventured around the island, I guess you would say, starting uh, with the southerly tips. My, my first affinity whiskey was a Laphroaig, and uh, from there, you know, going into the Lagavulins and, and, and Ardbeg, uh, and, and kind of making my way around, and Kilhoman was uh, somewhat on the end of that list, uh, most likely due to my own historical bias. <laughs> now, I may have a, a, a bias as far as uh, love for history is concerned, but am I going to turn my nose up at, at a dram? No. So I, uh, I gladly partook, and, and it was a really amazing experience. It was funny because the, the look on my face and the way I cocked my head to the side obviously was a was was familiar because I, I kind of got garnered a chuckle from my from my friend who was like wow you know that's almost the exact same thing I felt myself doing because immediately upon tasting the Mahir Bay you know before before even going that route you know smelling it it immediately on the nose is reminiscent of uh, Lagavulin the phenolic um, tarry almost smell but it's so subdued it's there it's present you know it's an isla whiskey it has the character immediately of an isla whiskey but it's not so so strong not so forward um and upon tasting it, it it's surprising because i checked the abv like i said 46 percent. that's a decent um abv i was expecting from a non-age statement, a little bit more burn, a little bit more heat, you know, a little bit uh, a vapor trail up to the sinuses to kind of like, whoa, okay, none of that. I mean, it was smooth, it was balanced, and then the peat bomb, oh my, at the end it was just like a, like a, like a, like a campfire exploded in my mouth, but in the best possible way. It was a warm, growing, peaty experience, and it stuck with me for quite a while without being overbearing, without being offensive, without being like so much peat that it wasn't enjoyable, but it was still, whoa, I mean, it was there. Very, 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 very good experience. Because of how much I enjoyed the whiskey, I went into my typical history tendencies, and considering that Kilhoman has only been around since 2005, um, although their backstory is awesome, I mean, a real, honest, 
true to rights farm distillery. Uh, everything on site, they even have expressions that literally go from field to bottle on property, which to me is amazing. It is a testament to the industry and to the time-honored practices involved, and it should be lauded by anyone who, who, is, who is privy to the way they're operating. Now, all of their expressions obviously aren't, aren't the same, but if you have an opportunity to get the 100% Isla, I would strongly recommend it because it is a fantastic expression as well. But moving back to the Mahir Bay, um, I had to dig into some history. So since I didn't have decades and decades and decades to delve back into on the Kilhoman brand itself, I decided to look up the namesake of the bottle. And I was amazed at what I learned. I was amazed at what I found. It painted a wondrous picture of the past and the people of the island and and the just good-natured Oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I have to I just have to go into it. Picture yourself at the turn of the century, uh, in the early nineteen hundreds, okay, a little bit after the, the turn of the century, nineteen seventeen, nineteen eighteen. The people of Isla, uh, although isolated, the island had a total population of five to six thousand at the time. Um, definitely, as is today, no land bridge, uh, no way to get there other than by boat or by air, which, of course, at that time, air was something that was limited to most likely military or, you know, incredibly high-profile persons, so that was not a viable option either. So sea was essentially the only way in and out at the time. So these are people that were not exposed to the outside world incredibly often and within a short time frame they had two major disasters happen off of their coasts uh, one of which was a, a ship was torpedoed um, off the southern coast of Isla out in the sound and it it impacted the island greatly it was something that you know impacted their shores and and it, it was hard for them to reconcile with because this small uh, you know remote tightly knit island population had to be exposed to uh, the the horrible terrors of, of a war that was so far away from their day-to-day -day life and in October uh, in 1918 uh, an even more tragic happening graced their shores. There was a ship, uh, the HMS Otranto, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. If not, sue me. Uh, please don't. There's nothing to get anyway. But <laughs> had in, disembarked from the Americas. By that time, the United States had realized that they had to step in and help bring an end to this conflict that was going on in Europe. Working with our, our British allies, multiple ships made their way to America to onload American troops to bring them back across the Atlantic Ocean to help at the front and help bring some kind of end to this long, horrible war of inches. And the biggest 
fear of traversing the ocean during that time were the German U-boats, and they had torpedoed and destroyed so many uh, uh, ships at that time. It was definitely a, a, a nerve-wracking and arduous voyage for anyone. Part of this trip, toward the end, they were experiencing some terrible, horrible seas. And, and of course, October in Scotland is not the most hospitable time. And the weather was near hurricane force. So 60, 70 mile an hour winds, massive swells, uh, it, visibility was next to nothing. It was a huge convoy of ships that were traveling together and part of the instructions were if any one ship gets in trouble no one is to stay and help the entire fleet must move on because if the fleet were to stop they would be sitting ducks for the u-boats that were all over the Atlantic at the time early in the morning these two ships were coming up incredibly close to the Isla coast and visibility at 8.30 in the morning had just gotten enough to where they noticed they were about to go aground. Unplanned and, and unready for this situation, two of the ships at the time turned in similar directions rather than opposing directions and ran into each other. And through the accident, the HMS Otranto was stranded with its hull smashed on the edges of Mahir Bay. A destroyer that was in the fleet was able to make a few rescue attempts, but as I say attempts, it was firstly a tiny ship in comparison to the massive transport vessel that was the Otranto. So it didn't have the deck space or even the, the space at total to onboard all of the sailors who were essentially fighting for their lives many of which died trying to jump off of the Otranto onto the deck in the massive seas. Some of them missed timing their jumps and being smashed in between the ships. Others simply died from the fall from one ship to the other. After a few passes, the boat was at capacity and could no longer take on any more sailors and was forced to move on. At this point, there were still hundreds of sailors that were trapped on the ship and eventually the captain had to give the call to abandon. Sadly, in October on the coast of Isla in the Atlantic Ocean, the water temperatures were incredibly frigid and the swells were inhospitable and of the hundreds of men that were forced to dive into the Atlantic, only about 20 survived exposure. It was a horrible, horrible sight as you can imagine for the people of Isla as the weather cleared, the entire shore of Mahir Bay was scattered with the bodies of fallen soldiers, both English, French, and also American. The people of Isla did an amazing job, not only taking care of the people, but finding a way to make it right. Can you imagine on this small island, a small town on a small island of Kilhoman, the village, there were only some shepherds and farmers and things in the area. And this entire community came together to 
give great justice to these men who sacrificed the greatest thing their lives in in pursuit of bringing an end to this great war in Western Europe. Of these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men who lost their lives, 200 were American soldiers that were on the shores of Mahir Bay that morning. And the people of Isla were incredibly thoughtful in their care of the situation. Not only did they ensure that these men would have a proper burial and service to honor them, they even went as far as to cobble together what fabrics they could and by hand sewed an American flag so that they could honor these men and their sacrifice. It is an amazing gesture and to this day that flag is on display at the Smithsonian Museum in Washington. I always, uh, I have a military family, strong military background, and anytime these kind of situations uh, uh, come up, it, it, it's always interesting to me. But this is a historical moment that is largely forgotten. I had never heard of this. I had never heard of the situation or the way it was handled or the amazing courage and love shown upon my countrymen by the people of Isla at a horrible, horrible time in their history. And the strength and and just presence of mind to to go the extra mile to ensure that, that everything was was done to the best of their ability amazed me. And I think that we lose too much of our history um, in, in from just not, not digging in, not being well enough educated on these things. I mean, that was a, an amazing thing for me to read. And it all stemmed from a bottle of whiskey and a casual experience from a friend who said, hey, have you tried this before? No, I haven't. Not only did I get to try and build a, a, a relationship with this brand and this whiskey, I, I was able to learn something and go back and reintroduce a piece of history to myself and, and to others around me that to many is long forgotten or was never known. And that is, is, the, is the true tragedy. Remembrance is the only justice that you can do for people who have given their lives in service of country. And to forget these things is, is, is a terrible shame. And I am incredibly happy that Kilhoman was able to bring me back to that moment in time so that I could remember it and build an emotional bond with it so that the sacrifices of those men would not be forgotten at least by me or by those around me. I hope that this has given you cause to research the history of these bottles and these distilleries and these brands that you become so fond of because there are so many things that are locked away and lost to time 
that can only be brought back to life if we educate ourselves. Until next time, this is Tom from MaltedMemoirs.com reminding you that the fine line between a connoisseur and a drunk is knowledge. Don't be a stupid drunk.